Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Hello, this is Gigabit Nation, broadband talk radio. I'm your host, Craig Settles, and I want to thank you for taking time for us uh, to be with us today as we provide useful information and insights to help public, private, and nonprofit organizations get more, better broadband everywhere it needs to be. Um, I have highlighted uh, uh, San Leandro, California on this show a couple of times. Uh, They have been one of the early uh, public-private partnerships. Uh, It's somewhat unique in terms of how they um, they, uh, pull it together. Um, The city now has a uh, gigabit network, and they are currently doing a lot of good stuff with it. Uh, to talk about what some of the achievements of the network have been so far, I have Deborah Acosta, who is the Chief Information Officer, and Tony Batala, who is the Head of uh, IT for the City of San Leandro. Thank you very much for being here today. It's our pleasure. Thanks for having us, Chris. Sure. And um, so let's talk about, um, well, three things I want to really focus on. One is your uh, use of the network by the, uh, the, the city government. So let's, talk, let's start with that. So who wants to start talking about the key, uh, I guess, features and, and, and accomplishments that you've been able to do with a, with a gig network? Uh, well, the, the, the first thing... And this just happened. Um, it's just a, uh, over the last weekend in August, we actually cut over to a brand new internet circuit. Okay. Uh, what that means is that uh, we ditched AT&T. Right. right. And we went with a local provider who's on the Lit San Leandro loop. Okay. Our primary internet. Cool. Um, we did that. Uh, it was about three months of planning and several more months of, you know, of contract negotiations and everything to get there, but a culmination of a lot of work. Uh, now we have a 10 gig pipe that okay. comes in and has all of our sites aggregated across it. So the police department, the libraries, our public downtown Wi-Fi, our public Wi-Fi in our libraries, city hall, all the uh, connections down from that, like the public works, the water plant, uh, everyone's aggregated across this 10 gig connection. It gets dedicated gig ports for their own site. Okay. That was about a 2,500%, 25 times increase in the city bandwidth. Okay. And because we're using with San Leandro, which we own the fiber in, right? Uh, so we don't have to pay those transport costs to AT&T or whoever else. Right. You know, they build in those when they when they quote you for internet. They're also including their infrastructure costs. In mm-hmm. They'll tell you that it's baked into it. Right. Well, we're not paying that since we own the fiber, so we're actually seeing a decrease in our monthly bandwidth costs after this project. So um, all total massive increase in bandwidth 
lower monthly cost. Um, and I can attest to it personally what a wondrous, wondrous thing it is to be someone who talks about our 10 gigabit per second fiber optic network around the country and finally come home and we have it. Right. And it is miraculous. Let me tell you, it's true that once you've tasted it, you can never go back. So now, um, you know, we've had a couple of, uh, well, a lot of people come on the, the show that have talked about the impact on government, right? So now in your position, you know, where you're basically, um, you know, the idea person, you're pushing a lot of ideas through uh, the government structure. How much of an impact has it been to just the overall operations of the government that you now have this, you know, 10 gig, um, Capability. Well, it's too soon to tell. I think Tony and his crew are trying very hard to wean the uh, existing staff who have long looked at, like you know, long been working with legacy Microsoft mm -hmm. features and applications. Moving us to the cloud is actually, it, it feels light years different. Right. It isn't, but it feels can feel like for people like light years different. So we can't really talk about yet what the impact is, other than it's a really good thing not to have the Right. latency going with every time I switch to a new website. Um, but what it does provide us is the infrastructure we need for those critical changes right. that we see coming down the road. So when we talk about smart city applications, really what smart city applications are all about are being able to collect data off of everyday things that we do, whether it's the traffic, whether it's internet traffic, whether it's transportation, whether it's education, whatever it is, it's about collecting data so that we make better decisions. Right. So without that infrastructure, it's really impossible to talk about how data is going to change our lives because we're not totally doing it yet. Right. But we are beginning to dabble in it. I think I think I think Debbie make a, a really salient point about cloud computing mm -hmm. and the impact of um, a gigabit connection when you're moving most of your workload to the cloud. Yep. Right. Um, and that is a, is a paradigm shift. Um, it's just as tough on IT staff as it is on non-IT staff to go from, hey, this is my server, my system, I own it, to I'm quote-unquote leasing or renting it in someone else's data center. Mm -hmm. um, but the access becomes, you know, more and more critical. And with right. unlimited bandwidth, you don't have to worry about, you know, site being slow or sluggish or anything like that. And you can get it anywhere. So in other words, now that, that everything is in the cloud, I can access um, much of my data. I haven't moved all of it yet, but a lot of it I now can go anywhere, whether it's my smartphone, whether it's my tablet. And that is, in fact, one of the reasons why the cloud has been such a powerful change agent, I think, for right. for you know, the country, for the world. But I would think, you know, as, I'm, as I look up, look back, um, to the, the, the first book that I wrote on broadband, which was the Muni Wi-Fi mm -hmm. world, and at that time, there were two things that, that people felt in government. Um, there was a benefit. One was the cost, which, you know, Tony talks about the, you know, Dramatic. You know, it's a huge amount, right? And in some cases, I mean, if you talk about Santa Monica, for example, the money that they save is what they've been able to keep investing in the um, 
the infrastructure and it has become very uh, pervasive throughout um, the city. So they're basically able to take that money and redirect it into a lot of other technology stuff that is faster, better, and so forth. The other part was, um, uh, you know, the other benefit was the government being able to respond faster and better. You know, and then so we 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 you know we had that discussion you know a decade ago. Right. Um, as you're now on the precipice of going into the full gig world as a government. Right. Um, do you see even more the, um, the 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 benefit of government being able to move more effectively and um, and 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 just do a better job of the, you know, the, the, the business of government. Well, we haven't had too much uh, exposure to it, but we have one really great mm-hmm. expo- exposure experience lately, and that's our collaboration with San Francisco, Oakland, and West Sacramento in the Startup in Residence program. Right. So in 2014, San Francisco kicked off the STIR program. I think they called it Entrepreneurs in Residence at that mm-hmm. time. And from their viewpoint, it was rema- amazingly successful. They invited... Uh, departments to pose problems that they felt could have a cloud technology solution. And um, then they put it out to the entrepreneurs and said, look, if for those of you who want to respond to solve one of these problems, to create an application, um, we invite you in. We won't pay you for it, but there are opportunities if you create something for us that could actually be something that could be scalable and sold to other cities because if we're having the problem, everybody else is having the problem. Mm-hmm. That was tremendously successful. So based upon that, and my kind of egging on uh, Jay, uh, my C- the CIO uh, in San Francisco saying, you know, okay, that's really nice that you're doing this awesome stuff. What about your little brothers and sisters out here in the hinterlands? Could you be helping us with that too? So Jay went ahead and his crew applied for an EDA grant, got off almost a half a million. So they're creating a program where they're now extending out the STIR program regionally. Mm -hmm. This was San Leandro's first, uh, we were invited to join in. And we've had several, we had three uh, problems, situations, that were responded to by three different companies. And one of the applications in particular is a perfect example of how San Leandro is going to start seeing the benefits of data. Maybe you could talk about that a little bit more, Tony, the lot of data mm-hmm. uh, recreation app. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I, yeah, that's, and there's a lot of potential. But I want to go back, Craig, to what you were talking about a moment ago, which is, does this improve the operation of government? Mm-hmm. Does having fiber uh, and I'm, I'm going to say the, the, the straightforward answer is, is no. no. Just, just putting right. in fiber no. and having a gigabit network does not in and of itself make <laughs> no. government run better or less bureaucratic. Yes, or so we know. <laughs> no, in fact, it can, it can no. accelerate it at times, right? Yeah. It's like people are looking over your shoulder and go, what are you doing this for? It's like yeah, crazy. It's, I, but it's a component of it. Right. You know, so, so it's a building block. Right. Right. And, and you got to look at the full spectrum of what your operations consist of. And so fiber is kind of under, underpinning everything. So now you've got unlimited bandwidth. Mm-hmm. Well, cloud computing now becomes a real option for you. What workloads can I shift there? Right. How can I make use of what these great entrepreneurs, great right. companies, large and small, Microsoft is leading away in cloud just as a lot of data is too. Um, but now you can harness those. 
right, take them in. Uh, the other thing you can look at is mobile apps. How can we use mobile apps to improve our, uh, how can we communicate to the public, allow them to, to interact with us? Mm -hmm. Do they even need to come to the office anymore? Mm -hmm. Do you need to go to City Hall and stand in a line and, right. and figure this whole thing out? Can you just get on a phone, punch a few buttons and submit your request and then a few days later get a re reply? Which um, is how the world expects to be able to interact with the things right now. So, right. so what, what the larger point I'm making is that um, broadband and fiber are a component of a well-oiled, efficient, modernized government machine. Uh, I think without it, you can still do mobile apps, you can still do data analytics, you can still do big data and all these other things, um, but you're not going to get over the hump as fast or as easily, or you may not get over the hump, period, if you don't have the bandwidth underneath you to support it. Mm -hmm. um, so I think it's foundational. Right. You know, you build, you, you can build a house on sand, um, and it might be a great house, you know, but if there's an earthquake or whatever, you know, it's probably going to sink. There is that. Um, and literally. Yeah, <laughs> literally. If you don't have a good, so I think the broadband the, the, that we have here and what we've done with our fiber is really the, the foundation for mm -hmm. what we're laying here right. on top. Gotcha. And see, the public's not going to really care about mm -hmm. the fiber. Right. Right. They don't care that you have gigabit fiber or gigabit wireless or anything, but they do want to be able to click a button on their phone and say, hey, I've got a, a broken sidewalk. Right. Come fix it, guys. Mm -hmm. you know? So now you guys, uh, you know, San Leandro uh, made its mark by having the, um, the public-private partnership that birthed uh, Lit San Leandro. Um, it's interesting to me that, that you guys also have a public-private partnership, I can think of the best way to describe it, with the energy management arena, right. Right, which you and I have talked about before, but I don't want to talk about that again, is, um, you know, what, what are the components? So it's, it, I know there's a, there's, a, there's a private sector company involved, the, the city is involved, the network is involved, there's a thing called microgrids. What are the what are the, the players and what are you what do you got in the end? In the end, we oh, have yeah. so I'm going to just start with that. In the end, we have control of our energy future. Okay. How the process of getting there, um, what the process of getting there looks like, it's about scaling renewable energy okay. in the United States. Other countries have done that extremely well, but in the United States, we still have less than 1% penetration of energy in renewables, in solar, mm -hmm. particularly throughout the United States. And as we look around um, at the problems of, of there being only three, essentially three um, electrical grids in the United States, any one of them going out or perhaps all, all of them going at the same time could be disastrous for the United States. So we started as, a, as a, a country that had a number of different utility companies, very diverse and local, and it was not deemed to be efficient, so now we've grown into these big behemoths. Now we're going back to, wait a minute, for security, just for global greenhouse gas emissions, for all the reasons that our country and the globe has taken a look at climate energy, climate change, and said we've got to do something about it. We're doing something about it in San Leandro. So we've created a public-private partnership with a company called Zip Power. It also includes Lawrence Berkeley National Labs, OSI Soft, which is our big data company here in mm -hmm. San Leandro, um, Jelly, PDE, PG&E. 
because PG&E is looking down at its own future and seeing that it's no in the future they can see a time when they will be the energy transmission mm. and they will be customer service, but they will not be the energy providers because energy will be provided locally on our rooftops. Right. So the the we've been supported by one and a half million dollar California Energy Commission grant right. to, to develop a system that will be a platform that allows people to see what's going on in their neighborhood. Think of it as a next door for energy. They'll mm -hmm. be able to see what the opportunities are for themselves, um, what their neighbors are doing, a little bit of competition, but mostly it's a platform that will engage buyers and sellers in the renewable energy world in a seamless way that connects them. Right now, our, our industrial uh, area businesses will complain to me that they've had five or six or more um, solar companies drop in on them and say, hey, we've got such a deal for you. It's very confusing. We're never going to scale solar in that way. So the big thing, how does that connect to fiber optics? Well, if you create, connect all of this renewable energy um, into, uh, by, through fiber optics, what happens is PG&E can now use the data that's coming off of the solar and coming off of the battery storage and coming off of the electric vehicle storage, and they can start to balance the load. Okay. So at different times of the day, they need to balance the load. So instead of having 25% in reserve like they're required to do somewhere out in the transmission world, the 25% can actually be locally mm -hmm. stored. And that balance can then be created, and, and fiber optics allows accumulation or allows the proliferation of data that's going to help PG&E figure out how to balance that load and eventually have San Leandro become a microgrid. So all of the solar, all of the renewable energy, all the battery storage and electric vehicle chargers are connected. And more things. Mm -hmm. So, but starting with that basic premise that data is power. Right. Now, um, before we got going today, um, Tony and I had a conversation about uh, the, the breaking down of silos, right? And so we have all these people that, that proclaim all the, value, you know, the values and, and all this of, of smart city, smart app, all that kind of stuff, right? And um, we don't seem to have people testing up to the fact that it's great to have the end product that we think this will recreate, but along the way, there has to be a, um, some breakdown of the silos that make you know, these different uh, government agencies and private companies and even just private citizens, everyone has these different uh, silos of information or knowledge or whatever. And somehow you gotta, you got to make those disappear. Number one, is that a good assessment? You know, I'll talk with you, Tony. We, we, we've been there. We've talked about it. <laughs> But you know, we go back on this. Way back. <laughs> way back in the day. Um, but 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 really, isn't that the essence of our problem? Which is we've got all this hype, and then we have the reality that in order to make smart stuff work, you've got to break down constantly all types of silos. Yeah, and I I think you're absolutely right. 
I am in total agreement. And it's actually it's near near and dear to my heart. I mean, um, the challenge of breaking down those silos, of finding out where the cubby stores are of, of data or where the process is and whose head is it in um, and how do we get it out and make it something that we can all work with. Get it on the use But also do it in a way that those people are okay with. Right? Yeah. But you yeah, can't yeah. just go in and say, I'm just going to change this on you. Right. They're probably going to freak out. Freak out, yeah. Which we've seen plenty of. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, so I think what, what, what we're doing, what, what I'm finding, is stuff like broadband deployment, um, stuff like a mobile app deployment, which is really exciting. Right? We're going to de de deploy a mobile app that residents can use, can report on any number of issues, and that, that in and of itself is great. Providing mm -hmm. this level of transparency and openness. I can see what the government is doing. I can see that they've responded to this. Here's the status on my request. Hey, look, it got completed, and I can go out in the street and see that that pothole's been fixed. Mm -hmm. That's pretty cool, all on its own. But what I'm really excited about, and as a as a as a an IT person that's running in internal operations, mm -hmm. is breaking down these silos that make that happen. Right. So going out and bringing in four or five different departments and talking to each one of them, finding out who the subject matter experts are, who are the knowledge keepers, who are, who are the people who have developed manual processes on their own, because hey. They didn't have one before, so I just started keeping these forms. Mm -hmm. Well, that's great. Now, it worked 10, 15, 20 years ago, but now can we bring it in? Right. Right? Right. And so we start to bring it in. We start to build standardized systems and, and answer all these little problems that we have one at a time um, and, and, and use a, a platform that everybody can, can work together on. Now we've got – now we're collecting data. Now, we're now we can data. look back. And this is something that um, – now, I, I'm, I'm new to the government, you know, probably three years, going on three years here. Um, but I'm, I'm finding that maybe the government, in project management anyway, hasn't always gone back and looked and said, hey, okay, we finished that project six months ago. How are we doing on that? Right. Did we hit the numbers we said in our press release we were going to hit? Are people engaged in it? <laughs> you know, right. what are the metrics? And, and so this, this kind of principle of, continuous improvement or continuously going right. back and, and evaluating how are we doing now. Mm -hmm. um, and maybe we haven't always been so good at that. But it's something that when you have the data, right, you, you have... Right at your fingertips. Here's the thing. When you have the data right at your fingertips, right, well, I, that's we what we're talking about. We exactly. <laughs> how, how long exactly. It, how long does it take, take us to fix this problem right. before? Well, now, now we can find out. Right. And so I think, uh, now maybe this is easy in San Leandro because we're small enough and we're nimble enough that we can all, I can work with four or five different, bring four or five different departments together. Just maybe in San Francisco or, or larger, it gets much harder. Right. But um, I think you're absolutely right. The core of it is got to get people working together. And, and these apps and these projects that we're working on, which are really cool and sexy in their own right, um, maybe we're the only people that look at infrastructure and say, man, is that sexy? I don't know. It, but, well, um, <laughs> not totally, as you can see. I mean, a lot of people are really concerned about it, but yes. But if you don't get people working together mm -hmm. and you don't, you don't have that conversation with, hey, how do you handle a, a request when it comes in? Mm -hmm. um, and get people to start looking at it and, and, and looking at it critically. Right. Am I really handling this request as efficiently as possible, or am I just creating bureaucratic steps because right. I feel like that's the right way to do it? Right. Um, 
So you get people having that conversation, and you get people open to the idea that, hey, you know what? I bet we can do that in this new system. Mm-hmm. Um, you start to break those silos down. Right. You know, and, and, and that, to me, the apps, the tech, well, really the technology is it's the catalyst for that conversation. Right. Yeah. It's not the ends, the means, you know, the ends to itself. Right, right. It, it's it's the means to get to that conversation, which is the real, uh, you know, outcome you're trying to achieve. Okay. Exactly. And what I see, if I could just add in there, when we went to the Austin, um, the Austin GT, GCTC US Ignite oh, yeah, Innovation Summit, right. the whole thing. Obviously, everybody there is focused on broadband. Everybody's talking there about the power of fiber optics. But what was really impressive was what people were doing with it long-distance education, energy. Energy seemed to be the killer app, the thing that everyone was focused on with fiber optics, which was fascinating to me because who would have thought five or six years ago that it could start to be the answer? And it it in and of itself is not the answer, but it's the data. It's the information that, that it gives us to help us really key in and solve those problems. Um, even there, though, we're learning how to break down the silos in order to, because everybody has to participate. Mm-hmm. So uh, we've got about five minutes. Um, I want to make uh, add some time to talk about what you're doing with school districts. Uh, well, these these school districts, and uh, because they're now running on top of a uh, a gig, a ten gig, ten gig uh, rollout and stuff. What's what's the hap? with that? Well, it started with our city manager, Chris Zapata, wanting to make sure that some of the city fibers that we required through Lit San Leandro were uh, allocated for public purposes. Right. San Leandro Unified School District with a brand new superintendent and frankly a new staff, a new IT uh, manager came in and said, oh yeah, we need some of that for mm-hmm. our schools. I mean, just a test taking time alone. Forget all the innovation and awesome things you can do with it at test-taking time alone when you've got hundreds of kids online trying to take tests, standardized testing, the systems will crash. So they came to us, long story short, this week it was turned on. Every single school is now connected ubiquitously, synchronously Mm -hmm. to a 10 gigabit per second fiber optic link. And now we're starting to talk about what they're going to do with it. Now what is the part um, where we have to address the fact that um, not everyone's home yet has, uh, you know, significant broadband. Um, especially, you know, when you're talking about apps that are running across a, you know, a gig type of a network. Well, what happens at the at the at the um, at the home aspect? Well, I mean. And that goes back to, you mentioned uni Wi-Fi. Right, back in the history. Of yeah. Memory. And I, I've studied that um, as a student of the game, trying to learn from what's happened in the past. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was that was the great promise, right? Was this was going to equalize things. It was going to provide right. access to everyone. Um, unfortunately, the technology had limitations. It doesn't go through walls as well as we hope it does. It doesn't have the range we hope it does. The cost turns out to be a lot higher than right. maybe we wish it would be. Um, but that still is the great challenge, is to open up high-speed broadband access, close the digital divide. Um, Fiber to the home is a big golden ring out in the sky. Um, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> 
I mean, it, it is. Yeah, right. And, and, and whether or not that's something that economically can be achieved, I think, you know, the, the, the combination, if you can get, almost have people subsidize it in a sense. So you have um, residents who will pay a premium for gig internet or really fast internet and then have like local governments able to subsidize it to um, those in the community that can't mm-hmm. pay premium for mm-hmm. it um, might be one approach, but um, we still haven't figured it out. Right. Now, I think the promise is still out there, the dreams, the, the will is still there. Mm-hmm. Um, we're waiting for the technology and the economics to catch up. No, I fully understand. So we got about two minutes or so. Let's talk last thing. Um, we're do you go next from your perspective as a city, um, uh, you know, innovator, and then Tony as the, uh, you know, the the person that makes it all the work. The implementer. The implementer. Right. Yeah, exactly. Right. So what, where, where does the thing go? Well, I have to tell you, the latest, the latest dream is actually much more reality, I think, than, than dream. And, and if we're starting, you know, Tony and I are, collaborating on um, putting together a potential RFP for the city council to consider to talk about smart city um, applications and what we can do with it. But it's also being proposed that we create actually an innovation district downtown where we kind of throw out some of the rules and really create a vibrant area where some of these apps are become very visible from the interactive kiosk, things that people can actually see what a smart city looks like. And there's no question that Dr. Patrick Kennedy, the CEO of OSIsoft, um, uh, would be very inter- is very interested in this vision um, for obvious reasons because it's all about data collection and 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 what we do with it. So it's that's the big vision on my part. Mm-hmm. Well, Debbie mentioned earlier the um, the program we did through Start, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of promise there because um, really what the vision becomes is a citywide dashboard yep. of operations. How are your recreation programs performing? Let's find out. How is crime? Where where crime? Where is crime occurring in your city? Let's find out. Mm-hmm. Where are your econo- economic development opportunities? Uh, where are permits being issued? Hey, where are the builders that are doing a lot? Where are the most engaged citizens who are reporting issues in the street? How yep. Can we expand that engagement into other parts of the community? Mm-hmm. Um, building an enterprise-wide dashboard that can get all of that data and pull it in um, is another kind of big gold ring for me. Okay. Uh, but one that I think we can realize much sooner. Um, the RFP for, for uh, our fiber strategy is also really exciting to me. If you ask, what's, what's the sexiest thing city yeah. has right now? After the fiber, uh-huh. right, is street yeah. street poles, street yeah, street poles, tying those in because mm-hmm. that's like such valuable real estate. Right. You want to get air quality sensors, Wi-Fi nodes, um, you know, beacons that can tell you what the foot traffic patterns are. I mean, it's just unlimited amounts of things you can do on those street poles. And if you tie those into your fiber in certain areas. It's not cheap to do it, but if you do it in areas where it makes sense, your downtown, your mm-hmm. districts where you want to know this, um, you really start to ramp up the value of that fiber network and start to be able to put applications on top of it. So those, those are a couple things that I think 
We're, you uh, see, our visions are completely aligned. And then, <laughs> <laughs> very, very good, very good. Well, I want to thank both of you for being with us today and shedding some more light on, you know, all the craziness that's going on in San Leandro, which now I'm a part of. Actually. Thank you, yay! I should I should let the audience know I've I've moved my business operations back to downtown uh, San Leandro and um, the idea that now I can be really on top of literally uh, a gig uh, will just make it easier to, to report and to uh, consult and all the rest of it that I do uh, will be enhanced by my experiences with um, the, the city. And so I appreciate the uh, the welcome that I got from everyone here. So it's, it's been good. It's been good. Yeah. Welcome to Innovation, welcome. Yeah, <laughs> Innovation City. Great. And to our audience, thank you again for uh, for for um, tuning in. Uh, we'll have more stuff in the upcoming weeks. Thank you, and have a great day. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.